Okay, so if you've got your Bibles with you or your phones, can you please turn to Judges 6? I'm going to be speaking out of the life of Gideon this morning. And my message this morning is come out of hiding. And obviously on the back of uh, the corona season where we've been in various forms of lockdown for the past 18 months, two years, it is an apt word for the season. Um, And I trust that the Holy Spirit will give you an insight into where you are hiding, where you are shrinking, and where you are in protection mode. Because it is time, sons and daughters, beloved sons and daughters of the Father, to stand up and come out of hiding. So I'm reading about the life of Gideon from Judges 6, and I'll start with uh, verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. So the time was so oppressive that they actually went into hiding, and you find them hiding in these places. They camped on the land, the Midianites, and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts, and it was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So let's look at like a zoomed out community perspective here. Israel is being ravaged. That means severely damaged and devastated by the Midianites. As the Israelites plant crops, the Midianites just destroy that. It's like they put out seed uh, in hope for harvest, in hope for obviously provision and finance and resources. And the Midianites, like a swarm of locusts, come and just devour everything that they plant. And um, so their land, their livelihood, their community, even their religion is being devastated by this group of people. And so they end up going into this position of hiding and protecting themselves. And perhaps that is something of a picture of the last two years globally, okay? It has been a crazy season. This kind of pandemic, the sickness that has come to steal, kill, and destroy, not only the sickness itself, but obviously the political and social and economic results of what has played out globally. And many of our lives, to some extent, have felt ravaged or oppressed or impoverished, perhaps financially in this moment, perhaps emotionally. I know there's many of us in the community struggling with fatigue and just a sense of being overwhelmed or perhaps perhaps even health-wise. I mean, in our family, we, we're struggling with post-COVID symptoms. Some of our beautiful family members, John Williams and their family, please pray for them. Keep them in your heart. And so in some way, we've all been affected by this kind of swarm of locusts that has come in the last while. And friends, more than a pandemic, pandemic of sickness, it's been a pandemic of fear, right? For our health, for our livelihoods, and for the future. It's like uncertain. There's this craziness globally, politically, economically, socially. Um, what I do want to say is that as the collective, as this church family, 
We have seen the abundant blessing of the Lord in the most challenging season uh, in decades, right? We have seen him bring us through. Many of us have had COVID and we've come through the other side. There has been work provided in a very difficult season. There has been finances provided. There has been relational growth and depth coming in the community. So I don't want to say that we stand here impoverished. I want to take this moment to say God has been kind has been good and his faithfulness and abundance has been so evident to us as a community. But at the same time, there is a sense that this season has come like a swarm of locusts and has stolen something from us. And so I want to now focus on that's the com- that was what was happening to the community of Israel at the time. And now we're going to zoom into the individual, to the life of Gideon. And we find Gideon Gideon is a man that the Spirit will anoint to partner with the Lord in seeing the plans and purposes of God for the nation fulfilled. I want to say that is each one of you. The Holy Spirit is in you, not only upon you, to partner with you to see the plans and purposes of the Father, what is on his heart, be fulfilled for our nation, our city, and for the nations of the world. But we find that Gideon is currently in hiding. He's in defense mode. He's in survival mode. And in the natural, friends, this period of isolation has forced us into hiding. Maybe we're coming out now. But many of us have like something of fear or caution or uncertainty. And there's parts of our hearts or our thinking or our lives that have stayed perhaps isolated or hidden or in defense mode. You know, when you just like hiding slightly, you're in protection survival mode because of that being physically ravaged, um, being economically or emotionally having taken strain during this time. And friends, I feel like it is time. The Holy Spirit is saying it is time to come out of hiding mode. It is time to come out of protection mode. And even as, as Kat shared that word this morning, there are parts in our hearts and parts of our thinking that the Holy Spirit wants to invade with the love of the Father to allow us to open up doors and allow His presence to come into those places to heal us and that we can walk in the freedom that Christ purchased for us on the cross. And so this is an opportunity to stand up in faith this morning. And my mom said something so beautiful at home church last week. She said, there is a tenderness in the Holy Spirit to lean into the Lord as He ministers to us. Okay, this is not about us hyping ourselves up to do better. Just like was ministered this morning, the love of the Father filled this place. We get to lean into his heart so that he can heal us and he can equip us and he can give us the gifts that we need for this season. It's not about hyping ourselves to do better. It is about leaning into the tenderness of the Father's heart, what has been purchased for us through the blood of Jesus and given to us in the Spirit. And they are the gifts, they are the equipping and the healing for what we need in this season. If you're looking for faith, He is full of faith for the future. He is laughing at the days to come. If you are looking for courage, it is the spirit that gives boldness. If you are looking for wisdom, creativity, for strategy, it is in the spirit that you receive everything that you need. And so I want to say to you, like was said to Joshua, as they were waiting to cross into the promised land, beloved sons and daughters, do not fear, do not be terrified or discouraged 
be strong and courageous. Get ready to cross the Jordan and inherit the promised land because he is with us. He is with us. We aren't going to stop. We were singing that song this week. We're not going to stop, stop singing, stop building, stop hoping, stop loving, stop serving until the whole earth looks like heaven. And there's this rising faith in us as sons and daughters that the Holy Spirit will provide whatever we need in this, in this season to be strong and courageous and to move into the promised land that he has for us. Okay, so let's hop to um, verse 11, Judges 6, verse 11, and see what's happening to Gideon. The angel of the Lord came and sat down uh, uh, under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash, the bees right, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay, so we find Gideon in a wine press. Uh, the wine press is the area where uh, the families would press the grapes, crush the grapes um, in this kind of round pit area, probably something like this. And there would be a channel that would funnel out the grape juice to turn into wine and, and put into a large container. The threshing floor for the wheat was actually within the village itself. They would share a, th a threshing floor. It was like a rocky outcrop where um, they would separate the chaff from the wheat grains and they would rely on the wind to come and blow the chaff away. But now Gideon cannot go into the threshing floor in the village. He has to stay hidden at home and prepare his grain in this hidden place because it's too dangerous to go out. The enemy will just steal the little that he has. And so we see him here. He's in deep insecurity. He is full of uncertainty and fear, and he's hiding. And I think all of us have moments where we say, I'm so stuck right now. How, Jesus, are you going to get me out of this? And that's where we find Gideon. And that's where the Lord meets him in his insecurity his frustration, his disappointment. And he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Let me tell you the two things that come out in times of trial and challenge. Number one, what you believe about God. And number two, what you believe about yourself. A.W. Tozer says, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. And you may think, well, that's, how can that be true? But every behavior, every decision, and every thought is coming from the root of what you believe about God and subsequently what you believe about yourself. You may think not, but it's 100% true. And so the gift of challenge is that we get to face what we really believe about God in that season. And in verse 13, the first thing that we realize is what Gideon believes about God. Okay, let's read it together. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hands of Midian. He may know the Lord to be waymaker, promise keeper, miracle worker, but the truth is, is that he feels rejected by the Lord. He feels that God is distanced and has abandoned them. 
Friends, we need to get into the root of the nature of God in our lives. We need to be so rooted in His nature that when challenge comes, we do not question His motives. In this past season, um, I'd say the last three years or so, we've been going through various challenges um, on a business front, in some kind of relational issues. And it's just been tough, tougher, some personal growth points that I've had to face uh, during the last three years. And I realized that just recently, the Holy Spirit has been ministering to me and has drawn me into this understanding that I've begin to, begun to view God as a hard task master. You see, in the, in the previous season, it was so easy and there was so much blessing and we were doing all the things I love to do. And it was so easy to believe that I'm the favored daughter and that he is this good, abundant, lavish father. But when things got tough, I began to relate to my good father as a hard taskmaster. And the Lord just began to reveal that to me. And I had to repent and say, oh, God, you were there all the time. You never changed. Your nature never changed. But some of my actions towards him or my belief systems or the things that were coming out of my heart was based on the fact that I, I saw him differently in that season. And so the Holy Spirit was able to minister to me in the process of exchange my false belief about God for the truth that he is a good father. He is lavish and abundant this circumstance does not define his nature. And so I get to root myself deeper in his nature so that whatever comes, I'm rooted in who he is, right? How can we bring the goodness and the heart of the Father if we're believing a distorted thing about who God is? Okay, so we see how Gideon is feeling actually in his heart about the Lord. And the second thing challenge reveals is what we believe about ourselves. Let's go to verse 15. But Lord, oh, sorry, so the Lord says to him, the Lord turned to him, verse 14, and says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And Gideon's response is, but Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. That's what he believed about himself. I'm the weakest and I'm the least. Who am I that I should go and save Israel? And so this is a moment where the Lord needs to deposit an exchange in Gideon's heart that you are not, you may be the weakest and the youngest and the least qualified, but I call you mighty warrior. I call you mighty warrior. And so whatever you are facing at the moment, whatever circumstance surrounds you, whatever challenge, can we dare to believe that we are who he says we are. We are reborn by the Spirit because of the blood of Jesus to be sons and daughters redeemed by his blood, filled with him and plugged into life union with Jesus, seated with him in heavenly places, mighty warriors. Rob, you mighty warrior. Jacques, yes, you mighty warrior. Cat, you mighty warrior. The Holy Spirit wants to come into your life wherever you are right now and redefine your identity in any places that it may have been distorted in the previous season and allow the Lord to reveal that to you. So 
So let's see. What happens? The Lord, so we read in verse 15, the Lord responds to Gideon's insecurity and his disbelief by saying, go. I am sending you, go. It's like, I hear you. I, you know, I hear that you, you're the weakest and you're the youngest and whatever your disqualifications may be. But I say, go, get up, get moving. And friends, I want the Holy Spirit to just stir in your heart what that means for you right now. In those places where you shrunk, what does it mean where the Lord is saying, get up, get going, get moving? Does it mean pray, praise, hope, expect, open your home, invite a friend, uh, pray for the lost, reach out to people, whatever it means for you to go. And where you say, I can't, he's like, it's time. Even this past week, there was someone and I just, the Holy Spirit was like, I want you to have a coffee with that, that beautiful friend. Um, and I knew he had an encounter for her in the coffee. And I was like, oh, I'm tired. I hurt my back last week. I'm like, uh, the excuses, you know. And the Holy Spirit was like, go, get up, get moving, have hopeful anticipation. And it was a time of divine encounter with the Holy Spirit just ministered to this beautiful woman. What is he saying to you? Where do you need to go, get up and get moving? It's time for the increase of his kingdom in and through our lives, enlarging and growing even when it looks and feels barren. We need to identify, just like this week, I was like, I'm overwhelmed, I'm tired and I'm sore. I don't feel like going. It feels barren, but the Lord says, enlarge your tent, spread out the tent pegs, anticipate the harvest, walk across the Jordan because I am with you. So allow the Holy Spirit to show you where your excuses need to be met by the power of the cross. We cannot live well in our own strength. If we could, Jesus would not have had to come. We could have learned better. It is only through the blood of Jesus that we receive the rebirth of the Spirit to be filled with Him Himself so that we can live well and we can bring heaven to earth. He rolled up His sleeves in Jesus and came down to us in our mess and our sin and our separation. And He gave us the gift of salvation that we could receive this gift and be reborn and be filled with him so that being mighty warriors is a natural overflow of him in us and not something that we have to hype up. This is the instead gospel, friends. That I am not enough is met by God in the cross so that we can carry within us the God that is more than enough, more than you could ever ask, dream, or imagine. And there is a season to partner with him, to dream with him of what that looks like through the beautiful gift of salvation. I will be with you changes everything. This is not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. And our battle strategy is not, I can do this. I can do this. It is, he is with me. And I think we need to move into that more and more and more. It's not, oh, I can do this. He is with me. I am leaning into the great God of the universe who lives inside of me. The great 
glorious mystery of salvation. Okay, I'm going to leave this part, and I'm quickly going to go to the battle. Okay, so that was, that was Gideon in that setting, and he responds to the Lord and the Lord's call over his life. And I'm not going to go into too much detail. There's a beautiful response of sacrifice that Gideon makes. He actually brings, um, I can't remember if it's a, a goat or a calf, but he sacrifices to the Lord. And always there's actually a sacrifice in response, but that's a preach in itself. And the second thing that I love is that he puts out the fleece twice to check with the Lord that the Lord is sure that he is the man that should lead Israel into what the Lord has on his heart for Israel. And I love that because I think our insecurity, the Lord is absolutely okay with that. We, uh, he knows that we feel not enough. He knows that we're frustrated or tired or overwhelmed. And that's where the exchange happens. And um, so the assurance is given to, to Gideon, you're the guy. And he asks for it twice. That's, don't you always ask, Lord, are you, are you sure? And then um, the Lord calls him to battle. Now, I want to quickly speak about the Lord uses an unusual battle strategy. And you see that through the scriptures, the Lord uses unusual battle strategies. In this uh, story with Gideon, I'm going to quickly read from chapter 7, just the beginning. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. Announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. Okay, so there were 32,000 men and now we have 10,000. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will sift them for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he will go. And if I say this one will not go to you, go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water where the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. 300 men lapped with their hands to their mouths and all the rest got down on their knees. So the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. 300. Let's just have a quick check in what the other army looks like. Verse 12, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. And the Lord says, 300 men. It's, it's not logical. It's not logical. We love a bit of logic. But with the Lord, obedience is often not logical. And so this unusual battle strategy is the Lord whittles down the army, just showing us again that the way the war is won is through relationship, through trust and obedience. And that is the same battle strategy for us today as we face challenge and trial and difficulty and war the way the war is won is through relationship with the Father, with Jesus and the Spirit in trust and obedience. It is not by might or, his, or by our strength, but by the Spirit of God. So let us allow the Lord to redefine the way that we are engaging in battle. Let us allow him to come, allow him to take us out of hiding, to reset our minds on how we see him, how we see ourselves, um, 
and give us fresh, original strategies for the challenges we face by His Spirit. Just because you feel outnumbered, just because it feels impossible, that's probably the Lord, because He loves that. Because then he gets to show off how to, how to beat an army of, thir- of, of, so, of sorry, so many men that it looked like the sands on the seashore in the valley with 300 with Gideon. And the, what does the Lord do? He turns the enemy against itself. They defeat themselves. And Gideon just walks in and takes the spoils. We need to trust the Holy Spirit in the season for the wisdom of the Spirit. We need to rise, sons and daughters, not as self-made men and women, but by the Spirit. And the victory that you are longing for in different areas comes from abiding, comes from time with Jesus, with the Spirit. Let's re-look at abiding. What does that look like for us? Our times of prayer and worship and intimacy and just enjoying His presence. Do you know what the worst thing is, is that this whole thing makes us numb and overwhelmed and we just dial out. The Lord wants us to enjoy him. You were created for Eden. Do you know what Eden means? Eden means delight. You were created in relationship with the Father to live in the delight of relationship. And out of that sweet delight of his presence comes the victory, comes the strategy, comes the wisdom. Proverbs 8 says, he teaches us how to live well, wisdom, and of course, wisdom is the spirit of Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit. Wisdom stands at the busiest intersection, the message says, the busiest road in the, the city, the highway, and calls out to everyone, let me teach you how to live well. The spirit wants to give you fresh, creative um, battle strategies, fresh, creative ways on how to live well from the smallest detail of your life, how you run your home, how you do exercise, what you eat, to your family, to the business projects, to being in community and the ministry of the life of the body of Christ, to business strategy, to relational breakthrough. From the smallest to the biggest detail, the Holy Spirit wants to give you the wisdom of Christ, creativity, excellence, um, integrity, beauty, fresh strategy for what you're, you're facing. I want to direct you. I don't often do this, and I don't actually listen to a lot of podcasts myself, but sometimes the Holy Spirit shows me what he wants me to listen to and mull over. And Bill Johnson spoke um, a word called, when in war, create. It was a couple of weeks back. When in war, create. I want to encourage you to go and have a little bit of a listen. But he says this, when I become who God designed or created me to be, i.e. the true self that can only be revealed through the blood of Jesus and in life with the Spirit, walking step by step with the Spirit, the true sons and daughters. When I become who God designed me to be, it reveals the perfect father to an orphaned planet. And he speaks about how when the Queen of Sheba went to Solomon, what moved her in his wisdom was, yes, his counsel and all the questions that she asked, but it was like how he set the place settings 
and what his servants wore. And like the craziest little details that seem so insignificant, like that could not be important, but that displayed the, win- the wisdom of Christ to the world. And, and I, I believe he wants to do that in our lives at this time, that we would learn to live in his wisdom, that every detail of the way we interact with people, every part of our life would display the heart of a perfect father to an orphaned planet. Do you want to come up? Friends, the Father's strategy for this crazy global battle may be different than what we think. Can we relook at how we're approaching the battles in our lives? Can we allow the Spirit to teach us again that the battle is won through dependence, through relationship, through trust and obedience, and allow Him to give us a fresh wisdom. Wisdom is a person. It is the person of Jesus. It is the spirit of Jesus. And we have a living inside of us. And so I have asked um, Peter to do a song he doesn't know very well. So can, can we all stand and we're going to end now. We're just going to sing this song as a response to what the Father is speaking over us this morning. So this is called Revival is in the Air. And I want to declare this morning that revival is in the air. Harvest and increase and all that God wants to do is in the air. And and you might say, well, that sounds really weird. The, The lyrics are, catch it if you can. Let me tell you why that is so powerful. It's because, imagine you were a yacht and you wanted to catch the wind of the Spirit. When you're in hiding and you're in protection mode and you're in self-defense mode, like your whole life is like this. But imagine you're a yacht and you need to catch the wind. You need to open the sails of your life in response to the wind, in response to the Spirit. That's what we're doing this morning. Catch it in you, if you can, means lift the sails of your life and catch the wind of what the Spirit is doing because He in His love is restoring what the locust has stolen. He is bringing life and revival to places personally in our hearts and our minds, to our community. He's also bringing the unsaved, those that do not know the Good Father in. He's bringing the harvest in. He wants to display His heart through every part of our lives. And we need an awakening. We need a revival. So as we do the song, can we just respond? And if you want to dance, you have my permission. You have seen me. Um, but let just lift the sails. Maybe just lift your arms and just say, God, I'm ready to catch what your spirit is doing. I'm ready to trust you on a new level. I'm ready to learn from you again. Holy Spirit, teach me the wisdom, the strategy, the creativity of the Father. Teach me again. Let me open my heart. Let me open my mind. And let love restore what the locust has eaten. And I can feel redemption on the wind. Forgiveness like the tide. Rolling in, taking up the space the shame has lived, receiving all that you died to give. Let the wind blow, 
never tire Until the earth knows You're the God of love Let my dry bones Sing a new song Hold the glory To the God of love dry bones really moving bones to bone you breathe the breath of life into our lungs marching on our knees we march to love let the wind blow let the tide roll knows you're the God of love let my dry bones sing a new song of the glory to the God of Turn. 